This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 13th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Opening the Cato Institute's two-day counterterrorism conference on Monday, the director of Cato's Information Policy Studies, Jim Harper. He discussed overreaction to terrorism and what is required to avoid it. So since 911, something has obviously gone right, and the proof is in the pudding. That is the fact that we haven't uh, suffered successive attacks. Um, That being said, we don't have a good sense of what has worked for us, what has given us this good fortune. So it's impossible to endorse any particular program or activity. That's all a matter of study uh, on panels uh, at this conference and into the future. We want to pressure terrorists everywhere they are, but we want to do so in just the right degree. If we go too far, we end up giving them rewards. And that's a key point. We end up giving them rewards if we overreact or misdirect our responses. So let me turn now to a a sort of taxonomy of the rewards we give terrorism. I said I wanted this to be a publicly accessible theory, and now I've said the word taxonomy. So um, I'm contradicting myself in some degree. But I think you can categorize the forms of overreaction. We can begin to analyze them, understand them, so that we can avoid them in the future. And the first, I think, most, uh, and most obvious, of course, is waste of blood and treasure. Uh, terrorists with geopolitical aims, with grievances, if we react to them by wasting our own blood and treasure, we are doing their work for them. We're weakening ourselves, and we're raising the costs of our own policies. We'll have a panel, obviously, tomorrow on the role of military force in counterterrorism. But I think it's, it's, it's important and, and perhaps slightly obvious that the waste of blood and treasure is poor counterterrorism. More subtle, though, is, is the notion that overreaction can give sympathy and recruiting gains to terrorists and terrorist groups. I, I was just, uh, I found it quite remarkable when I read the work of Patty Hilliard and saw so many parallels between the experience in Northern Ireland and the response of the people in Northern Ireland and what I was hearing about in terms of U.S. actions, some, some U.S. activities, and, and their results among, among uh, citizens in different parts of the world. The fact is the terrorists live and move in communities. The people in these communities might not support them. The people in these communities uh, might actively oppose them, or they might be sitting on the fence. But of course, when, when people in these communities suffer from a stray bomb, when their doors are kicked in, when they see images of violence or rights violations that rightly or wrongly portray the United States as an evil-doing country, they're drawn to supportive terrorists. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that we should withdraw from all the different actions that, that, that might be helpful, but we have to be very, very careful that we aren't giving terrorists and terrorist groups the opportunity to draw sympathy and recruiting gains to themselves. The final product of overreaction, and, I, and it's related to the second, but I think it's so, so interesting that it can be discussed distinctly, is giving terrorists ideological gains. Um, Michael German's book, Thinking Like a Terrorist, has has insights that, that I found just just inspiring when I, when I read it, because terrorists regard themselves as involved in an ideological struggle, struggle with the incumbent government's ideologies, the U.S., the West, whatever it may be. Now, these ideologies are ridiculous, and their prescriptions are ridiculous. Uh, a white supremacist society in the United States, a Muslim caliphate that, that governs the, the entire world. But these groups are convinced that their plans are desirable and viable, and they're trying to convince others of that. When they, when they do battle uh, against the United States and the West, 
Uh, they don't have much ability to, to build their own legitimacy their, or their own credibility. But what they can do is tear our credibility and legitimacy down. The way they do that, of course, are terror attacks that induce overreaction and misdirection. So when a victim state comes loose from its ideological moorings of tolerance and, and freedom and according rights, when it treats terrorists wrongly according to its own standards, this confirms a terrorist narrative. It confirms a terrorist narrative about their ideology being a competitor to the ideologies of Western countries in the United States. So it's, it's unfortunate, but true. And there's no um, right, uh, reverse angle replay or, or, uh, that, that allows us to go back. But sometimes the actions of the United States have been used to confirm the stories that terrorists tell, that the U.S. hates Muslims, that the U.S. is a wicked world power abusing people, that the U.S. wants to occupy Muslim lands. These things aren't true, and they aren't even plausible uh, to most of us. But the question is whether it might look true to terrorists to the people who are ideologically and physically nearby to terrorists, and of course to potential terrorist recruits. So over, overreaction and misdirection are the second prong of the terrorism strategy. Direct attacks are the first, overreaction and misdirection are the second. And whether, whether I've gotten it right in, in nuance or in detail, or even, even overall in, in the first part of what I've said to you, I think there can be general agreement that overreaction and misdirection are mistakes in the context of counterterrorism. The final piece of the puzzle, of course, then, is how to suppress the natural political demand for overreaction and sometimes misdirection. Do you think 911 caused a, a demand for overreaction? I think so. I think so because I was right there uh, supporting policies that I now recognize as having been error in some respect or another. We have an open society. We have a free press. We have competitive politics. We've got an internet that comes up with wacky ideas from time to time. So what do we do to make it so that overreaction and misdirection are not political imperatives in the, in the event of a terrorist attack? I think that comes down to communications. Sound counterterrorism requires political figures especially, but also the media, to be extremely disciplined in their communications about terrorism. And we have, have two audiences to regard in that respect. One is international audiences. I've talked about them already, people who are ideologically or physically close to terrorists. They're watching what we do, and they're listening to what our leaders say. Our basic problem has been that our rhetoric has tended to exalt terrorists and terrorism. When a Western head of state calls a terrorist by name, what a thrill that must send through terrorist groups. What a thrill that must send to people who are considering joining terrorist groups, the idea that I can have something to do with the American president by joining this group. Our actions have rhetorical content. I don't have time to go into them, but I'll encourage my colleague Chris Preble to ask me what I would have said if I had more time. <laughs> There's also a domestic audience that we have to think about, of course. The U.S. domestic audience was naturally predisposed toward overreaction by the September 11th attacks. That's natural. But I think political leaders since them have tended to inflate terror risk, inviting even greater support for even more overreaction. Um, without doubt, they intend well for the country. I'm not saying that anybody uh, is, is intending to, to misdirect or overreact, but it's happened all the same. Promoting fear of terrorism invites overreaction, which is counterproductive. Politicians should make the case for the, for the uh, measures that they think are appropriate, I think there's unanimity 
for the measures that are most appropriate. The noise you hear is about measures that may not be appropriate. The thing that politicians should do is make those cases in carefully measured terms. What they should not do is give sound bites to cable news to play over and over and over again and bring Americans into a frenzied state, into a, into a, into a state of, well, frankly, terror. So to recap, I think terrorism puts the victim state on the horns of a dilemma. That is, it's at risk of direct attacks and also at risk of overreaction and misdirection in response. Overreaction and misdirection uh, tend to waste our blood and treasure. They draw sympathy gains to terrorists. And when we come loose from our ideological moorings and abuse rights, we confirm the narrative that motivates terrorists and motivates people to join terrorist groups. Our rule for responding to terrorism is a simple one that comes from Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Too hot is not just right. We must avoid overreaction. We must quell demands for overreaction. And doing this require, requires sophisticated and disciplined communication strategies. Tomorrow after lunch, we'll hear from Paul Slovic, who's an expert on risk communications. And the final panel of our conference will explore uh, in more detail how to, how to communicate about terrorism. Now, you don't have to agree with me on anything or everything I've said. It will help, and if you do, you get an A and you can leave and give your seat to someone else. What matters, though, is that the incoming administration should have a, a counterterrorism strategy. How, in the view of the incoming administration, does terrorism advance the goals of terrorists, and what are those goals? How will the new administration seek to ensure that terrorists do not achieve their goals? How will the new administration defang terrorism as a strategy? And what are the new administration's communications plan for plans for terrorism generally and in the event, heaven forbid, of a terrorist attack? I have now issued my counterterrorism strategy. It's now yours, panelists, yours, audience, and yours, future panelists, to attack, if you wish. Thank you very much. Jim Harper is director of the Cato Institute's Information Policy Studies. He's also author of the book Identity Crisis. You can order your copy at Cato.org.